Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that move, I don't care who it is. Just do. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right of the weekend with a disappointing loss down in Dallas. The Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 298. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell about the Eagles and their loss to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday afternoon. What did the tape show? What went wrong on offense? Who stood out on defense? We will discuss that and look ahead to next week's matchup against the Washington football team here in Chalk Talk. Obviously, we've got a lot of big-picture discussion to hit on, but we're going to try and see if we can chalk that just for another week or so, hold off until we start talking big picture as we get closer to the offseason. But before we get into Chalk Talk, two quick things to hit on. Number one, if you have not yet lately, please jump on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. It's the best way to throw us your support. If you're an Eagles fan, we talk Eagles all year long here on the show. And if you throw us a comment on Apple, it really helps make this podcast visible to more and more people. Therefore, it makes me happy, keeps the show going. Consider it a little bit of a holiday gift. We're getting ready for the new year. Jump on, throw us a rating, throw us a comment. If you've got something that you want to hit on, especially here during the offseason, that's the way to get an episode all to you, catered to your wants and needs. So just go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. Number two, for those of you who are starting to get into the NFL draft, the Eagles now out of the playoffs along with a lot of other NFL teams. If, they, if you're into the NFL draft, go check out the Journey to the Draft podcast as well, wherever podcasts can be found. We are over there talking NFL draft, prospects, team building twice a week. Myself, Ben Fennell, Dane Brugler, Ross Tucker. Last week we had a special guest, my friend Jeff Schwartz. You can go and check that out wherever podcasts can be found. Again, we're talking about the top players in the draft each and every week. So you can go and start getting your information on who those names are that you need to know as we move into the spring. That being said, let's now dive into the rest of this show right now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, excited to welcome back here to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, my friend Greg Cosell. Greg, uh, it is week 17 in the regular season. Uh, obviously, the um, you know the Eagles losing their ability to move to the playoffs with the loss this past week in Dallas. But uh, welcome to week 17 here, Greg. You know, Fran, I really thought there'd be a week 18. I was really excited about the game yesterday. They got off to a you know good start going ahead, and I really thought that there'd be a week 18. But hey. You know, it's a four quarter game. That's why they play them. No question. So uh, let's let's take through take us through here what you saw from the film on Sunday in the, in the game uh, against Dallas. And I guess we'll start uh, with the performance of the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's, I, don't, I don't think it's crazy to say uh, that this was certainly his worst performance so far uh, of the three and a half games that we've seen from him yet so far in his NFL career. You know, and it's funny you say that because. It was the game where I thought I'd see in his first start or two. And he obviously played very well in his first two starts. And in this game, he showed the kinds of things, as I said, I thought I'd expect to see. And a lot of that had to do with leaving the pocket prematurely. And, you know, you as you know, and we, you and I have talked about this quite a bit, Um and, you know, we're not going to sit here and go over three, four, five, six plays. I mean, there's one or two, you know, maybe we can go over. But I think the the 30,000-foot view is it was a learning experience game for her. 
he was consistently quick to leave the pocket. He left throws on the field because of that. The way I would describe it, and I've talked about this before with young quarterbacks, is he was too slow to eliminate what was not there and isolate what was there. And that's mental. So he was too slow to eliminate and isolate mentally, with the result being that he played too fast physically. And when you play too fast physically, particularly when you have running ability, you tend to leave the pocket too early, prematurely, and you leave plays on the field. And I thought that showed up in this game. Yeah, I thought there were a handful, you know, and it started on the opening drive, uh, you know, one of his first passes of the day, um, you know, he took off for, what was it, 11 or 12 yards? 11 scramble. yards, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a play where a lot of fans, and I think it would say, oh, that, you know, that's a great play. And you've talked about this in the past in regards to other quarterbacks. It's like, yep. you know, so, some coaches will look at that and say, look, the Greg Ward's wide open on the crossing route. This could go for 20-plus yards. You took off for 12. You moved the chains. That was good. Uh, but you'd like to be able to see him make those kinds of throws on a more consistent basis. And there were too many that he – uh, you know, where that he missed mentally. And then he also missed a couple physically as well. Those happen, but uh, overall, uh, just not, certainly not his best game and a lot of throws, uh, a lot of opportunities that he would certainly like to have back. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you mentioned that about that. That was the second drop back of the game where they ran a vertical route concept, a double post crosser concept. That's in every team's playbook. You know, the bills have made a living on it this year with Josh Allen. Uh, but I, and Ward was wide open and Hertz broke down in the pocket with no pressure. And yes, he ran for 11 yards. And I've had those conversations at the scouting combine with coaches. And I, I remember having this conversation uh, with the wide receivers coach a number of years ago, the wide receivers coach for the Seahawks, because Russell Wilson has done that his whole career. And I think we can all agree Russell Wilson's a pretty good player. Uh, and I said, what do you say in, in the meetings? And he said pretty much, and he made a joke out of it, but he say, they say, nice play, Russell. So I'm always fascinated, Fran, and I know you are too, how that stuff is coached, you know, because you don't know the answer to that. I mean, I certainly don't know the answer. You know, I'm sitting watching tape. I've been fortunate in my career to spend a lot of time with coaches, have these kinds of conversations, and different coaches see it differently. So I don't know what Doug Peterson says. I don't know what Press Taylor says. Don't know the answer to that. But to me, you know, you have to make that throw. I guess, too, that it really comes down to, uh, you know, if the quarterback is able to make the play, I, I liken it almost to when a, a defensive player uh, tries to go backdoor on a pursuit and, and a run play. And it's like, all right, hey, like, we don't coach you to do that. But if you do, you better go make that play. Uh, you know, I think when you look at it from a quarterback standpoint, it's like, all right, if you're not going to make this throw, like we, we've schemed it up where this guy's going to be open. If you're not going to make it, you better run for the first down. And on some of those plays he right. did, uh, on others, there was the uh, the missed Texas route to Miles Sanders down in the low red zone. Yep. Where, uh, you know, he almost ran for a touchdown, but stepped out of bounds and ended up being a one-yard loss. It's those kinds of plays where it's like, all right, well, you know, if he pulls the trigger there to Miles, you know, you're walking into the end zone as opposed to taking a one-yard loss. Yeah, you know, it's probably the equivalent, I guess, is in basketball, you know, with the three-point shot. No, 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 no. Yes. You know, I mean, exactly. you just have to decide how you want to coach that. Yep. You know, and then you and I don't know the answer to that. There are probably coaches who see it totally differently. You know, maybe the purest, the Bill Walsh's of the world say that, hey, you know, you've got to throw that football. You know, that's the play design and that's what we teach. And others might say, hey, you have great ability with your legs. If you feel you want to take off, take off. We're OK with that. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe it's I'm old school because, you know, I've done this for a long time and, and had the opportunity to to be around the Bill Walsh's and coaches of that ilk, the, you know, the great ones. And, you know, that's the way I've learned it, but there's, there's probably no right or wrong. It's how you teach it. And then how you respond to it after it happens. 
So the, it seemed to me just coming in and just watching the film uh, this morning that uh, they early on it was run game, play action. We saw Jalen Hurts under center. We saw a lot of pistol in this game. I say a lot. It was six snaps of the pistol, but they had only run five other snaps of the pistol all year. So for them to run six snaps, uh, you know, in this game, I thought was notable. Why do you think they did notable. that? I mean, do you have any sense to just watching tape? Because, you know, the pistol now is so used in the league that I notice it, but I don't necessarily think of it as, oh, my God, what a tactical innovation here because so many teams do it. I thought of it. I, the only reason it stood out to me was that well, I haven't really seen it from the Eagles all year. Right, so, right. so for them to have six snaps of it in a game, uh, you know, Ben and I were looking at. It, I had Ben. I asked Ben if he could look it up, and it was five. They had only run five snaps all season, so it was certainly sprinkled in here and there. I don't know if it was because they came in saying, all right, we're going to assert ourselves in the run game. They had Jordan Howard in the game. Maybe they wanted to keep him downhill. I didn't chart it, but it seemed like uh, Jordan Howard was in on a couple of those downhill runs uh, yep. on those uh, on those pistol looks. So, you know, I'm not sure if it was from that or if they just said, hey, look, we want to come in. We want to make sure we establish ourselves uh, on the run, with the run game and the play-action pass game and see if we can kind of mess with the eyes of the Cowboys defenders. It could have been something along those lines as well where they felt that they could kind of get some advantageous looks against a defense that's been very fast flow and known to kind of take themselves out of position. Maybe they felt that they could you know, gain an advantage in that way. Yeah, I guess all that's possible. You know, um, I don't think they ran it as well as they had hoped to, obviously. Uh, you know, obviously Hertz had some design runs. We saw what they did do a lot of at Oklahoma, which now the Ravens do a lot of where it's that gap scheme where you pull both the left, you know, the, the guard and the tackle from the same side, you know, that's, uh, more teams are doing that in the league as well. So, you know, that's something we saw in the game. But uh, but overall, uh, the passing performance, obviously there were some big plays that gave numbers. Obviously the 81-yard touchdown to uh, Jackson was a really well-schemed play, post-cross, seven-man protection, uh, and, and um, it was a shot play. You know, it was play-action boot, and the post-safety Wilson jumped Ertz on the crosser, leaving Jackson one-on-one. So, you know, it's just a really well-designed play. Yeah, and I think that, you know, a lot of uh, talk in Philadelphia after the game, um, you know, certainly Sunday night, but then even into Monday was, uh, you know, just the the overall game plan in the, in the second half and, uh, you know, the abandonment of the run game. I'll tell you what, watching the film, I felt a little bit differently about it because there were a lot of examples where, hey, look, it's, uh, it's first and 10 or it's second and seven, and they run for a nice chunk or they run for a first down. And, you know, Matt Pryor gets called for the holding penalty. That brings right. it back. Now it's second and 13. You throw an incomplete pass. Now it's third and 13 and you punt. You know, there, there were a couple of those kinds of plays where, uh, you know, all right, well, hey, look, they ran, they tried running the football. Now you get behind the sticks and all of a sudden the run game and play action pass game, that comes out of the playbook. And now you're going to drop back pass. And it was hit or miss with Jalen Hurts in the drop back pass game this week. You know, as we talked about at the top, um, yeah. you know, it was, it, it was uh, kind of hot and cold from that area. And that's yeah. all, ultimately how this offense kind of fizzled out. Yeah, I mean, I, now I don't think they scored in the second half, right? No, they didn't put a point put up a yeah. point in the second half. Yeah. Um, you know, the first two, it was first two drives touchdowns. They scored a field goal, I believe, on the fourth drive, and then the last four drives, all in the fourth quarter, it was two picks, uh, a lost fumble, uh, and the turnover on down. So, uh, not a good end to the game, certainly. No. Uh, for the, the Cow- you know, the Cowboys clearly had a plan coming in. They played a ton of cover too. On third and long, they decided to go dime and play Goodwin, who theoretically is an athletic equivalent because he's a corner. They played him as a spy. So, you know, that was basically their plan. I think they even played one snap of two man out of that, but predominantly it was cover two. And, um, uh, you know, that was their approach. And uh, for the most part, it was effective. 
Yeah, there was only a couple scrambles, like you know, actual scrambles yeah. from Hertz, where he was able to take off and, and pick up uh, nice chunks. I thought the Eagles did some nice things, um, you know, in the run game. Uh, we saw so, some good variety. We saw uh, some more of the the uh, guard and tackle pull schemes, as you mentioned. Um, we've seen the you know obviously the zone read, and that was a big part of it. They ran some nice compliments off that. I thought the the Dallas Goddard twenty three yard catch, ah. a great example. I thought that was a really that almost rough, reminded me of play. college. That almost had the look of a pass run option. Yeah, it was a really well-designed play. Yeah, because they did that at Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken, where, you know, you, you take off and, uh, you know, I think you're going to throw it uh, initially. Again, I don't know this for a fact. It looked like it was going to be a pass, and then obviously it was because Goddard was open. But if it wasn't open because they had a blocker out in front, I think there was a run option for Hertz. You know, it was it was kind of a cool play. Yeah, it was a really cool play. And yeah. so, you know, just kind of, they've, they've been able to string a couple of those plays uh, here and there in. And, uh, you know, I thought the you know third down, especially the third and short, third and medium, they were able to convert. Uh, they really struggled on third and long in this game um, for some of the reasons that we have already mentioned. But uh, offensively, certainly had some issues. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think if there was any other plays that, that kind of stand out. We talked about the Deshaun Jackson touchdown. I thought that was a well-schemed play action play. Yep. Uh, we saw some good things from, um, from Rager and Quez Watkins, you know, in terms of being able to work vertically down the field as well. Um, but overall, just the, you know, the overall offensive performance, not strong. I'll tell you one guy that, that stood out to me, Greg. Uh, I thought Miles Sanders was solid last week. I thought he ran really hard uh, on Sunday. I thought he did a nice job uh, of pressing the hole, getting the defenders to kind of, you know, press one gap and then jump cutting into another. There were a couple of good examples of him running behind his pads. I thought he ran harder this week uh, than I really, than I've, than I've seen him run throughout the majority of the season. I thought it was a good performance overall. For yeah, Miles, and, and even though I the agree. numbers are just okay. I agree. But I, here's what I'll say. I don't think they've run the ball this year as well as everybody. You know, everybody always says you got to run the ball. You got to run the ball. Now Sanders has had three, what, 70 plus yard runs yes. this year. Yep. And, and, and obviously he's averaging, you know, what it 5.3, whatever it is. Yeah. But I think for the most part, and, and I agree with you about Miles Sanders, I think he's actually as a runner, if you isolate his running traits this year, I think he's taking, taken a major step forward, Fran, but I don't think, they've run the ball particularly well. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, everybody says, got to run the ball. You got to run the ball, which is great. And I'm a believer that there has to be some semblance of balance to an offense. I know that term now is viewed as a bad term for a lot of people these days, but I think you have to have that to some degree, but I don't think they've run it as well as people just automatically assume that they run it, yeah. you know, and, and not because Sanders has not shown a lot. I think he's shown a lot. Yeah, and I, obviously the, the injuries to the offensive line, I think have had a lot to do with that, yeah, uh, whether agree. it's been missed assignments or just ineffectiveness at the point of attack. It's it's not the same when uh, you're not running behind Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson. And, uh, no. you know, it, it, I mean, the, it is what it is. Like, you've got inexperienced players uh, on the left side as well with Jordan Mailata. Um, you know, you've played a lot of players uh, up front, yep. so they haven't had certainly uh, that level of continuity. Um, all right, well, let's get over to the defensive side. And look, I mean, this is a team that coming in, was shorthanded along the defensive front. You're down Derek Barnett. You're down Josh Sweat. We know about the injuries in the secondary. No Rodney McLeod. No Avante Maddox. Uh, then Fletcher Cox goes out of the game. So in your two biggest areas where you're, you're, you're most, most of your talent is on that side of the ball, severely shorthanded. And by the third or fourth drive, it, it showed. Yeah, it did show. I mean, they they played a lot of cover one, a lot of cover three. And when you're playing cover break, one, break, the, break those down, two down for us real quick, Greg. Well, cover one is single high safety. It's the man version of single high safety. So you're basically playing man-to-man, -man, um, uh, 
versus the five eligible receivers with a single high safety, post safety. That's cover one. Cover three is the zone version of that, where you play with a single high safety, but you're playing zone coverage. Normally, if you're rushing four, you've got three deep defenders, you know, two corners playing deep third and the single high safety, and you've got four underneath defenders. So that's what cover one, cover three is. So they chose to play a lot of that, keeping in mind that if you're playing cover three outside the numbers, your corners still have to essentially match up man-to-man. It's just a matter of what technique they play, but they're essentially matching up man-to-man. So they chose to do that, and that was the game plan by Jim Schwartz. Yeah, I think that uh, overall, one of the things that stood out to me was on a lot of the big plays they gave up, especially in the first, you know, we'll say two quarters and change, the, the Eagles certainly wanted to try and get after Andy Dalton. You know, they they, they ran a yep. decent amount of blitzes in this game. Early on. Um, you know, early on, they they, they felt, that, all right, we, we can pressure him. They showed some zero. They blitzed corners off the edge. They yep. blitzed some slots. Um, yeah, and he knew where to go with the football. He picked apart the blitz, uh, knew where to go. I mean, the veteran savvy certainly showed uh, in that area. So then they said, all right, let's let's back off a little bit. They made some changes in the secondary. They moved, uh, you know, Darius Slay. They moved him off of Cooper. They put him over on Gallup. They moved Jacquette around. And then they said, all right, well, you guys aren't going to blitz. You're going to play straight man-to-man. Well, now we're going to dial up the man-beaters. You saw the, the C.D. Lamb long touchdown was a good, a really oh. designed man-beater. Well, plus it was third and three, which is a man-down, right. man-down yep. in distance, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a really good uh, way to beat man-to-man coverage where they brought him in motion and basically created a, a sort of a rub to that side of the field. And then when they went empty on the Amari Cooper 60-plus yard catch, I mean, they went four by one and they put four receivers on one side. They left Amari Cooper one-on-one and then the Eagles lined up with Michael Jaquet uh, over on that side and Amari Cooper against J- Michael Jaquet. They're going to take that matchup. Yeah, I mean, that's a tall task for Michael Jaquet. And I know no he question. got benched and obviously he's had some some poor plays. But, uh, you know, that's a tough deal for a guy who's in his third year in his life playing corner. And uh, they they had him play a lot of man-to-man coverage. Uh, I think when I watched the tape, it didn't seem as bad to me as as it seemed, you know, and, and was made out to be watching the game. But, um, you know, I still think that he's got a chance to be a solid corner. You know, don't forget, his first two NFL starts, he matched up predominantly to DeAndre Hawkins. Hopkins, and now he matches up to Cooper and and, and Gallup. You know, th- those are tough assignments. Right. And, and to me, I think when, in talking about the game overall, it's not about necessarily the decision. That, look, you, you, you're dealing with the personnel you've got at this point, right, with, with the attrition along, up front, with the attrition in the secondary, and you've got to provide help one place or another. If yeah. you're going to take players away from the box to help out in coverage – well, now you've got a lighter box against the run game. Yeah. It, it all works in, in concert. So, uh, you know, you kind of have to pick your poison as a defensive coordinator when you're going up against an offense that, in theory, can try and run the ball on you, can win in a lot of different ways, quick passing game, uh, and things of that nature. So uh, it was a tall task, and, uh, you know, the Dallas's offense obviously uh, had a lot to do, uh, you know, with a lot of the uh, the big plays. Oh, and, and you made a great point, too. I mean, first half was a lot of pressure. The Gallup 21-yard tee. TD in the second quarter, that was a boundary corner blitz. They brought Mills as well. It was actually, um, uh, it was a zone exchange pressure. They only rushed four, but uh, but still, you know, that that was a blitz. I mean, that would be cataloged as a blitz, even though they only rushed four. And, uh, you know, Dalton hit Gallup on the slant and the void in the zone coverage. And It was the same blitz they ran last week for on Michael Jaquette and Nikel Roby Coleman's sack of Kyler Murray. It was the same blitz they ran the week before against the Saints uh, on Duke Riley. The interception, interception by Riley. Yeah. It, was the yeah. same, it was the same play. Right. Uh, one was a pick. One was, in, one was a, a sack. The next one turned out to be a touchdown. So, so, of course, this week it was stupid. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, defense is tough in, in the NFL, and it was very tough for the yeah. Eagles on Sunday. Um, taking this, not necessarily. I hope people know I was being sarcastic there, Fran. Of course, I I, okay. I think we we were able to read a little bit through. Uh, okay, okay, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I know everybody can't see Greg, but I know right, I, I, right, I, I right, right. feel that through his voice. Um, I guess now, not that necessarily taking this big picture. But going into week 17, we'll, we'll talk big picture and going into the offseason in 2021. We're going to talk about that next week here on the show. But taking this now into next week against Washington, uh, Doug Peterson announced on Monday Jalen Hurts would get the start. So he will get his fourth start uh, to close out the season. What are you hoping to see from Jalen Hurts this week against Washington? And what kind of test is he going to get with this defense? Obviously, they're looking to play their way into the postseason. Well, I would love to see – a learning from last week because they're going to play a really good front. Um, we know about this front, you know, we being in the same division, we've talked about Washington's front numerous times. One thing a lot of people may not be aware of and, you know, new coaching staff this year, but they, as this season has progressed, Fran, they have shown a lot of different multiple front alignments and you have to be aware of that. This is not just, Young and Sweat on the outside with Kerrigan getting some snaps and Payne and Allen inside. They are really multiple with their front looks. They very often line both defensive ends up on the same side. They'll line up Payne and or Allen as wide nine rushers. They're all capable of this. They're really good players. They've added a number of blitz concepts that feature Cole Holcomb and Cameron Curl, who I think's played very well for the most part as the strong safety since he replaced the injured Landon Collins. So this is a difficult defense to play against, and I would hope that Jalen Hurts from this week, and again, now you get back to the same question we spoke about earlier of how it's coached. I can only tell you that I would love to see him stay in the pocket, work through progressions, throw the football, and I'm just giving you my personal opinion based on my experience. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a nice test for him to kind of close up the season, see what he, you know, what he's got against one of the best pass rushes uh, in the NFL. And by the way, as we record this, it's Monday night about seven thirty. Uh, Jordan Mailata, the Eagles' left tackle, is in the concussion protocol. We don't know what that means for him moving into this week. It was an injury late in the game, so we don't know if he was able to come back or if he would have been able to come back into it or not. But uh, as of this point, he's in the protocol. The way that they adjusted the Eagles going, in, you know, at, at the end of the game against Dallas. Matt Pryor moved over to left tackle. Brett Toth stepped in at right tackle. So something to keep an eye on as you get ready for Montez Sweat and Chase Young that's a tough, and Ryan Garrett. That's, Ryan a, tough deal. that's yeah. a tough deal. I mean, they are really good up front. Yeah. So that will certainly uh, be something big to keep an eye out for. Um, overall thoughts just on this division, Greg, I guess they're just that's kind of parting thoughts. I don't think that fans necessarily want to hear too much about this individual matchup, but uh, just big picture. I mean, all three of these teams outside of the Eagles, you know, you look at New York, you look at Dallas, you look at Washington uh, in play to potentially win the East here this Sunday, depending on how games go. Yeah. I mean, look, obviously we know it's been a poor division. Um, you know, overall you'd have to argue that the, uh, the quarterback play, for all the teams has been spotty. And, and when your quarterback play is spotty, it, we, it's a week to week thing, you know, then other parts of your team have to really step up and be strong. And uh, not all the teams, pro probably the reason Washington is in their position is because they have a really good front yeah. and their defense can, can control and win games. Um, that they're the only defense I think in the division that can probably say that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's been a very up and down division. We'll see as, you know, obviously this week, I mean, for Eagles fans, uh, other than seeing Jalen Hurts and ho hoping that he'll continue to improve and show some really good things, uh, there's probably not a ton of interest, you know, yep. in, in 
in what happens. I mean, I'm sure Alex Smith will be the starter for Washington because they got rid of Dwayne Haskins. And I don't think they're going into a, a game where if they win, they clinch with Taylor Heineke as their quarterback. So I'd have to believe that Alex Smith, who was close last week, is ready to go this week. But, um, you know, I think for all of us, you know, you too, Fran, I'm sure we're just anxious to see Jalen Hurts in another start and, you know, and see where that goes. Yeah, I think uh, just to, you know, it'd be nice to be able to go into the offseason with a good performance from him, uh, just get a better sense, get a little bit more information of what he can bring to the table. That's all uh, everybody is trying to collect now. I mean, it'll be a fascinating offseason. We know that. It's some tough decisions to be made. And, uh, you know, Howie Roseman and and the personnel group and the coaching staff, they've got some tough decisions to make. And, you know, hey, that's what happens every once in a while in this league. No question. Well, Greg, we will be talking about uh, all of that with you next week. We'll have a much more bigger discussion uh, taking a look at this team on both sides of the football. Until then, thanks so much. Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you next week here on the Eagle Eye Sky Podcast. Experience the fastest internet and more in a snap. With Xfinity X5, you get the speed, coverage, control, and security you need for the ultimate in-home Wi-Fi experience. Xfinity, proud partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Great stuff from Greg, who you can follow on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on every form of social media. That's one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, or even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out today to a couple people who have done just that. Beast57Boy left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts saying he loves Carson Wentz. He also likes what he's seen so far from Jalen Hurts and enjoys the show. Beast Boy, really appreciate you leaving the comment. And the other one here from PayPal, the only complaint is that we don't put out a podcast every day. Appreciate that. I pride myself on being a highly educated Philly sports fan, which is why I love your podcast. However, I did not play football growing up, and so sometimes some of the simple basics in your discussion go a little bit over my head, though I can still capture the broader concepts. As such, I wanted to ask you if you could spend some time discussing the simple basics and different between things like uh, dime and nickel and some of the other defensive packages. Thanks so much and keep doing your thing. Well, I think it's a great question. I'm glad you brought that up. That's one of the goals that I had for uh, our episode that we do every single week with Ben Fennel. When we're previewing the matchup, we try and take some of the schemes and some of the philosophies and some of the packages that you're going to see on a weekly basis and try and just really kind of give it a definition and see why it's going to impact each and every game. So make sure you're tuned in to those weekly episodes with Ben, and I think we'll try and do a little bit more of those kinds of uh, those kinds of segments here as we get into the offseason, probably with a little bit more fine focus. But I'm glad that you guys uh, both have enjoyed this show. Thanks so much to both of your comments on our Apple Podcast page. Really appreciate the support. Special thanks as well to Greg Cosell and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts on Eagles Entertainment. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the NovaCare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you later this week. Raise a glass to that comforting feeling of an Eagles touchdown with the all-new Broaden Patterson Wine Collection created in partnership with Wink. Featuring a Cabernet, a Rosé, and a Chardonnay, Broaden Patterson Wines are the perfect pairing for any occasion. Now you can bring the sweet taste of victory with you to a dinner with friends or to the tailgate with your game day crew. Purchase online today at philadelphiaeagles.com slash wine to stock up and have Broad and Patterson delivered right to your door. A portion of proceeds from every bottle benefit Eagles Autism Foundation.